Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Media. Hi everyone and welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about how things are falling apart and people trying to put them back together. Today, uh, more in the how things are falling apart category, we are talking about the border again and I'm joined by Jen Budd, who you've heard from before, but just a reminder, Jen is a former senior patrol agent with the Border Patrol and now an immigrant rights activist. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, you're welcome. So, we're gathered here today, I guess, to talk about this ridiculous spectacle of the Texas National Guard occupying uh, some border-adjacent land. Uh, the border, as I understand, runs down the middle of the river there, so like, they're not actually occupying like, the physical border, right? They're occupying the, the nearest land spot to it. Is that right? Correct. The border in that area is in the middle of the river. Yeah. And... Preventing Border Patrol from accessing the river. And I think, like, we were just talking before we recorded, but the reporting on this has been a bit kind of slapshot. A lot of it has just been social media posting. So I was hoping that you could help us understand, like, A, this isn't like like a standoff between Texas and, and the Border Patrol, right? Like, like, But it's not like Texas kind of swept in and, and suddenly they were there and they, they weren't there before. Right? Border Patrol had to allow this to happen to a degree. Is that fair to say? I think it's fair to say. I mean, at the moment, I think the administration is trying to portray that, you know, the Border Patrol tried to come out there and rescue. I think the latest I've heard is that reportedly there were six people in the river that were Mm -hmm. drowning. And and they went to go rescue them. And the, the Texas military, the 
I guess Texas National Guard, ended up blocking them and saying they can't go. Now, this park is a very well-known park that during the Trump administration, they were trying to build a wall. They've been wanting a wall there, but the people in in that city, uh, I believe it's Eagle Pass, is that they they don't want a wall there. That's a city park, and, and they just don't want a wall right there. And so Greg Abbott has sent in Texas National Guard to put up all the razor wire, all the, you know, flotation devices with, yeah. <laughs> you would call it a saw blade on the middle of it, that they claim saves lives. All this stuff apparently is rescue technique stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and they claim it, it saves more lives than it hurts. And, and so the people that put out this stuff to injure people are claiming that they didn't allow people to drown. So I find that hard to believe. But at the same time, the border patrol is, the border patrol is always silent. You know, they're always yeah. silent about this. They'll let CBP talk yeah. to talk for them. They'll let the administration talk for them. The union is claiming that Greg Abbott is the best thing in the world. They think it's great that he stopped the, their own agents from rescuing a woman and two children. So apparently three of the people got back to shore on the Mexican side. And then the woman and two children ended up drowning and their bodies were found on the Mexican side. Texas military is claiming that when they were notified that people were in the river, they went and they shined lights and they looked, but they didn't see anything. We did have the uh, I don't know if it was Texas military. It was in in the uh, area of the state of Texas on the same Rio Grande, where some either National Guard or Texas National Guard or military or somebody just was st- sitting in a boat in front of a woman with a child, yeah. and she was starting to sink into the sand because it's like quicksand over there. Um, and they wouldn't rescue her, and Border Patrol drove by really fast and put waves. So it's not surprising that they wouldn't go rescue them. This is the first time that they've publicly said that they've had a confrontation with the Border Patrol. But I don't think the Border Patrol tried very hard to rescue them. I mean, they do have boats and stuff. So, yeah, you know. they, are, they have, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, there are many ways. They have helicopters. <laughs> yeah, they, they have lots of equipment to rescue people, sometimes just... Uh, less desire shall we say yeah and i mean it's to me the interesting thing is watching democratic politicians point their fingers at greg abbott and rightly so for this for this scene but yet at the same time what the border patrol does every day their deterrence policies every day kill people every day so the border patrol is not doing anything different so to act like oh my god we didn't get out to save these migrants and we really wanted to is kind of like well I mean, people die probably every hour crossing that river and you haven't cared before. And we've been doing this since 1994. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to get really upset at Greg Abbott. He's doing nothing but what the national border patrol has done for, you know, 30 something years. And at the same time, the victims are always the migrants that, you know, that that's what we should be upset about is that our policies whether federal or state are killing people who are seeking asylum and seeking safety. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. I think like this attempt to make it a like 
Republican governor is killing migrants thing it, it is an attempt to like distract us from the fact that Democratic president is killing migrants in much greater numbers just by virtue of of the amount of land covered by uh, you know Biden's jurisdiction compared to Abbott's. But yeah, I yeah. think it, it's very yeah. hypocritical. Mm -hmm. And it's it's funny to you in that, or I'm not funny, but ironic yeah. in that the Border Patrol Union is putting out the numbers of when Trump's last year as president of deaths on the southern border. And these are just the ones that they find, not yeah. the actual number, which is usually three to four times as many. And then they're saying, oh, look, in Biden's year, this has been 2023 was the mm -hmm. most deadly year. But it's like, you know, you guys never cared about how many people yeah. were dying before. And now all of a sudden you're like, you're killing more migrants than anybody else. <laughs> like, what are you? Are you jealous? What's the deal? <laughs> yeah, like the idea that these people are concerned that they're like in Hakumba, they keep people in open air detention for up to a week and in the freezing cold, mm. you know, in, in San Diego, at San Isidro, people are, you know, two people have died in San Isidro, one person has died in Hakumba, probably dozens more people have died crossing in other routes that we haven't seen this year. It's It's been not as wet as previous winters, but just in my, pre, just in this week, I've seen people in extremely dire medical distress. And I've seen Border Patrol scream at those people and scream at people trying to help those people and not, not do anything to help. So I, I'm, I'm finding it hard to buy that this is all Greg, Greg Abbott's fault. Not that Greg Abbott isn't a piece of shit. Uh, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think we're in agreement on that. But, like, um, yeah, the, 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 uh, the attempt to lay all the blame at Greg Abbott's feet and suggest that there isn't complete bipartisan agreement, it seems, on killing migrants. Even, right. like, we don't see... In the Trump era, we saw, you know, AOC turn up and cry at the, at the uh, you know, unaccompanied children or the, or the separation, the family separation detention. We don't even mm -hmm. see that anymore. Like, we don't have any of that. This, and it, that's reflected in the press, right? We, do, we don't see anywhere near as much coverage of the brutality at the border as we used to. Um, one thing that you'd mentioned before we started was that you had, there's some, like, there's pretty clear case law or Supreme Court decisions, at least, about like what BP could have done or, or what their rights are vis-a-vis -vis the National Guard. Could you explain some of that? Well, I mean, it's clear immigration precedent. So in 1875, so prior to the Civil War, a little bit after the Civil War, states had always done their own immigration. So if you showed up in a boat on New Orleans, in New Orleans Harbor, they, they would have their own immigration. You would have to pay. A lot of times in the California area, California was uh, charging, especially Chinese migrants who were coming over for the railroad and, and, and the gold rush and things like that. When they brought um, groups of Chinese women over, then California would label them all as prostitutes and, and, and no good people. And then they would put them in jail and then fine the uh, captain of the ship like $500 a person, which is... By today's standards, it's like over $14,000. So it's a oh, lot wow. of money. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of, the, one of the female migrants in 1875 said you had no right to hold us in jail. You don't have this right. There's nothing that says that you have this right according, according to uh, U.S. law back then. And so the case is called Chai, C-H-Y, Lung, L-U-N-G, versus Freeman. And in 1875, the Supreme Court decision was that immigration is solely uh, the federal government's right to enforce and not the state's. 
simply because of diplomatic relations, also that we have treaties with other countries and we have relationships with other countries. And they believe that allowing states to do their own immigration would then hurt the United States in diplomacy with these other countries. And then the other thing that they mentioned was that there had been no due process given to the migrants during the time. And that's afforded to migrants, whether they're undocumented or not, uh, based on the Constitution. And then recently in 2000, the most recent time that it was brought up was in 2012 when Arizona sued the United States. The Supreme Court upheld in that case that law enforcement can question citizenship during a legal stop but denied other parts of the Arizona law, SB 1070, which allowed their peace officers to act like immigration officers. And they said the reason why they can't do that, which is what Greg Abbott is doing, the reason why the Supreme Court said they can't do that in 2012 was because of Article 6, Clause 2, which states that the Constitution, federal laws, treaties made under federal authority take priority over state laws. So. It's, you know, the supremacy clause, basically, mm-hmm. is what it is. And so it's kind of like what Trump did when he was in office, where he starts separating children and he starts putting everybody who crosses the border, whether it's for asylum or for nefarious reasons, uh, in between the ports, he would take away their children. And I mean, that is was in violation of the 1980 Refugee Act. And yet, Nobody really fought it on that basis. I'm not sure why they didn't fight it on that basis. Yeah. I'm not an attorney, so I can't tell you. But at least, you know, this this decision, Chai Lung versus Freeman, it's been around since 1875. It was brought up in 2012, and the Supreme Court also used Chai Lung to make its argument of why Arizona couldn't have certain parts of SB 1070 out. So what Greg Abbott is doing is, is the same thing Trump is doing. is like, oh, we'll break the law. And you can take me to court and we'll see if this court agrees with what the last court said. So they're just breaking the law and then daring people to take them to court is simply what they're doing. And in the middle of this, obviously, the migrants are caught, the humanitarian organizations and everybody's caught. It causes chaos, basically, is what it's doing. Yeah, it's causing an absolute mess at the border. And I think, understandably, what you hear from migrants is like the people who are better informed who have access to information resources finances are telling me that they don't want to go to texas right because right it's a mess and and it's a mess that kills people and that's exactly what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be uncertain and it's supposed to be cruel And, and so people who have the chance to will come here people who can't afford to right they're coming north directly and it's sort of texas is there you know, if, if they head directly north, or that that's where they end up. Texas has a huge amount of border, of course. Then they're the people who tend to be the ones who are forced across there, and unfortunately, that's resulting in a much higher, as you said, a much higher death rate. Right? Like, it's. Do you have a sense of like? I suppose it would be hard to tell because we we have very little in the way of proper statistics. But like, what is the most fatal kind of part of the border? It's difficult to tell if it's the Sonoran Desert or if it's the Rio Grande River. And I Mm -hmm. say that because we don't see half the bodies, or we probably don't see 90% of the bodies. Yeah. I know a lot of reported deaths are on the 
TO reservation, Tohono O'odham reservation in, in there's Arizona. That, there's the bombing, uh, Barry Goldwater bombing area that nobody's allowed in, but when they are occasionally allowed in, they find like groups of 13, 15 skeletons and stuff yeah. like that. So I think it's a toss up between um, the Sonoran Desert and the Rio Grande River. The other problem with Texas's border is that primarily the majority of the property on the border in Texas is private property. Mm -hmm. And they tend to be very large ranches, which maybe no ranch hand or anybody goes out, you know, through the acres to see this and they might never ever find the bodies. It's kind of like the Sonoran desert and Peo nation and then the bombing range. And then just the fact that the desert will just destroy the bones pretty quickly, especially once the winds cover things up. Um, that we have a fair amount in Campo, uh, as you know, in the mm-hmm. Hakumba Campo wilderness area and the mountains and the Laguna Mountains. Yeah. But I don't think it's near near as bad because you can look at those mountains and see how bad they are. And yeah. most people don't want to dare cross those mountains. But it is, but many still do, obviously. I worked out there. You you're familiar with that area. Mm-hmm. And so um we have more than our fair share for for certain. Yeah. But I would say I would say probably it's between Texas, the Rio Grande, and and then the Sonoran Desert for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think think that makes sense. It's probably a good time for us to break. Uh, The border is killing people. These adverts uh, probably aren't, but they're still not great. So enjoy these products and services. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. All right, we are back. Um, and Jen, I wanted to ask, like, with regard to these 
but I think there's a couple of things that people might not be clear on. We've tried to explain them on the podcast before. The first is like Border Patrol will always say that all the BP agents are first responders, right? It, it, it's this line that they have. And like, mm-hmm. do they like, in terms of rescues, are, are they sort of like technically obliged to make rescues? I mean, I've seen people in very great stress and I've seen Border Patrol do nothing more times than I can count. Um, so like, I'm wondering, like, is there some kind of uh, like technical obligation that they have that they're just ignoring, or is it sort of at the discretion of the agent whether they think it's safe? Or what's their like official policy there? Well, if you're an agent in the field and you come upon a migrant drowning in the water, or you know has slipped and broken their leg, and you're trying to decide if you should go down into this area or jump in the water and stuff, it is up to the individual agent to decide if they can handle that. So what you find most often, the, the agents who are in the boats and working on either the, the oceans in Florida, they work on the ocean in California, they work on the ocean. Yeah. And then obviously along the Rio Grande, all those agents have specific training, obviously, in swimming. All agents have training in swimming, but not at the level that the agents who are working on the water do. Yeah. So you have to go through extra training when you take that position. It's like being on the horse patrol. You have to go through horse training and, and yeah. so forth. But All agents are trained in just basic CPR, just basic splinting, that kind of first aid stuff. But not all agents are what they call, is it not Bortec, but Borstar, the rescue organization that they have now. And that didn't start until like the late 90s. And I didn't even see him when I was an agent, even though I was there until 2001. I didn't see him out in Campo. Whenever we had a call about a rescue in Campo, at least the old Campo station that was on Forest Gate Road before they changed it all around. Yeah, We had to go out in teams, and that's the only time we worked in teams. Otherwise, we, we hiked alone is if we were doing a rescue, especially in the wintertime because it was even more dangerous. And, and we hiked all night until we found them. So us regular agents just on the line would just move our positions and, and keep going. And we didn't necessarily have any specific training. We didn't repel out of helicopters back then and do all that stuff. What I think that they started for was because we had a lot of attrition in the 90s. And it was more about getting us regular agents that patrol the border away from the border because we were having, that's when our massive suicide started because of all the deaths that we were seeing. And I think it was an effort to keep the average agent from seeing the brutality of what they were doing, quite honestly. And so like I, as an agent had lots of experience with dead bodies and and so forth, but agents today who are on the line, they don't, they sit in their trucks, they watch the cameras. And then when a a dire thing comes out that somebody needs to be rescued, four star handles, handles it. They might go do perimeter things and help out a little bit, but they're not involved in the actual rescues it, you know in my day i didn't know i didn't know that many agents who had never seen who had never experienced that and i kind of think in a weird way that that's what makes today's agents so non-caring so non-sympathetic to to the migrants we didn't call them invaders and it's not to say that we weren't racist and we we're brutal it's just it's gotten even more brutal and more racist since since i was an agent and certainly I would say that 
the brutality that may have happened that would have happened maybe on an individual basis or with certain groups of agents it's now policy throughout the whole agency and you're expected to be that brutal and if you can't be that brutal then you can't hack it so uh, but the idea that they're all first responders that just means they wear a badge and have a gun and have a car with you know red and blue lights on it but they're not all necessarily trained in in like the type of rescue that we're talking about in the Hakumba area in the mountains that yeah. it takes very physically I, I could do it when i was younger but obviously i can't do it now yeah yeah we would have to get our best best agents in some especially if we went north of the checkpoint north of i8 up into the lagunas we would have mm. to get our best fit agents up there to do that yeah yeah and it seems like that i don't see them as much certainly like when there's a search and rescue now, just like everything else at the border, it very often falls on volunteers and community groups and uh, people who are willing to give their time and take the non-negligible personal risk to rescue people. Because hey, I think we might have rescued more people back then, even with half the amount of agents, simply because when we got the call, we went. And we looked and sometimes we'd meet the federal rallies right at the border and they'd show us this is a group. And so we'd look for the sign and then we could, you know, Follow the trail. leapfrog it and get ahead yeah. of it. Whereas today, if you call Borstar, well, all the Borstar agents have to get their gear on and then they have to get in the helicopter and then they have to fly out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's even... If yeah. they're willing... So, like, I, I know I uh, was with a group that made a call this weekend for a gentleman who was in distress and, and had been suffering very greatly from exposure. And uh, the agent in the office said it would be hours, maybe days before they arrived. Right. So like yep. this, if you can get through, if, if you can get them to come out, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, that this, and that that's very common. That's something that, that, that is not unusual at all. This, the disdain for coming to rescue, the disdain for people's lives, right. For coming to rescue them. Um, it is extremely obvious, really, and like that's again, that's not someone who has to be located. Like I can give you a a GPS reading down to you know, like I think it's twenty figures, you know, an extremely accurate location. It's just oh yeah, we didn't have that in our day. I mean, we yeah. had there was GPS, but we didn't have GPS capability. I ne I never worked with GPS, so I worked with a compass. That was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, it's so. uh, it's yeah. I mean, they have a, they have more technology than you know. Uh, I know the agents today tell me they can see each other in the field. So they have something yep. or their GPS system allows Atex, them to yeah. track each other. And so they can see where each other is. We never had anything. Yeah, they, uh, it's a military technology. It's just like everything else. It's trickled down to the Border Patrol. And sometimes trickles from the Border Patrol down to the military, actually, with, with a lot of the surveillance mm -hmm. technology. Um, mm -hmm. and, like, I think another thing that people might not be aware of, and... This is something that I think has happened uh, recently, but it's been going for several years now. It's the deployment of the National Guard to the border. I think people know that that is happening in Texas, but I think people probably aren't aware that there's also a federal mission to the border, right? That that right. encompasses much more than Texas. Um, what are the National Guard? Well, I mean, they I know they sit outside uh, detention camps in Hukumba, uh shouting at me. But I, I, what is their mission in theory at the border? What are they doing there? Well, in theory, their mission at the border is now they have these giant processing tents, you know, in San Diego and in Tucson and other things. So in general, what they're supposed to be doing is 
not actively arresting or apprehending people because that, according to the law, would would violate it. What they're supposed to be doing is is maybe sitting in a stationary spot operating a scope where they can tell Border Patrol at night, you know, there's a group over here, da, da, da. And then the rest of the time, they're mostly supposed to be working in the processing centers, assisting people if they need to go to medical or if they need this or that. And so they're just supposed to help so that the agents don't have to sit around and babysit so much so that they can be back in the field. That's what they're supposed to be doing. And I mean, lots of presidents have done it. Barack Obama did it, you know, so it's not unusual unusual what is unusual is that in texas you have texas dps and the military texas national guard actually pretending like they are border patrol agents and running around and apprehending people even though they do not have that legal authority the u.s government has not given it to them and then the other thing i think which is legally the most dangerous is where they push the migrants back into the water. Yeah. Number one, the law is that if you set foot on U.S. soil, then you're entitled to an immigration hearing if you so choose. And you cannot turn somebody back. A border yeah. patrol agent cannot legally turn somebody back once they've crossed. So once they're across that middle part of the river, they're in the United States and they're your problem now. So you have to deal with that and you have to process them. You have to figure out who they are. You have to run the records checks and all this other stuff. It'd be interesting. You know, the the Biden administration hasn't pressed Abbott on this. And I've always wondered why are they allowing him to do this and take over immigration as a state authority? Yeah. I think they just don't want to fight it. <laughs> they, yeah, they don't want to be attacked on like this, like this idea that Biden's op- like this this myth of Biden's open borders, which is uh, a utterly ridiculous, and b like as Erica reminded us last week, like we all as U.S. passport holders have open borders to us all over the world. It, it, it's very problematic. Yeah. We think other people shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I think the idea of like looking weak or like mm-hmm. you know he he wants to buttress himself against an attack. From the right it's the same reason why he won't get rid of the um, Border Patrol Union because, you know, the Border Patrol Union, now that Donald Trump, before he left, uh, died, he um, gave them what's called security designation. So there are they are a security organization now, which means they're like the FBI, they're like the DEA and all this other stuff. And so they can't have a bargaining unit. So the Border Patrol Union is actually illegal under 5 U.S.C. 7112, little b, little 6. But Biden is weak and he doesn't want to look like he hates unions. He always wants to look like he's strong on unions because he's a union politician and he refuses to get rid of them. But the fear and the reason why that law exists is exactly what we see them doing now, where the union representatives who are border patrol agents, they have national security information and they're actively working against this current administration. Yeah. So that's why we have it, but he's just weak and he won't do anything about it. Right. And, and certainly I think whoever wins next time, they're not going to do anything about it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I think either way. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You, you like also pay attention to the BP union and I think it's one of the worst accounts on twitter.com but mm-hmm. I also like I'm in the event of a Republican victory which at the moment it's looking like Trump might be their nominee right certainly it seems to be a lot of support for Trump kind of these people seem to have his ear on immigration and, and they seem to want the same things right so I'm wondering Biden has been bad. His border policy has been objectively mm-hmm. bad, and it's very hard for me not to see it as racist. Like, it's very hard for me not to see his immigration policy as specifically favoring white people and specifically disadvantaging black people. And I don't mm-hmm. think I could be swayed, persuaded that's not the case. What do you think, like, it seems that immigration policy only moves one way and it just gets worse and worse, and border policy mm-hmm. does the same. What are they, like, demanding, and what do you think is sort of at stake uh, in in the in the upcoming election, like this year's election, regarding the border. So I was paying attention to what Speaker Johnson was saying mm-hmm. before we logged on to to yeah. talk, and he was saying that there was going to be no deal for the border unless Donald Trump was the one doing the deal. So he doesn't want to even fund the border patrol right now. So I mean, my impression of what the border patrol and what the union is trying to do at this moment yeah. is that they are trying to make the border as chaotic as absolutely possible. And that is their goal. They want bodies, black and brown bodies coming over that fence and they want the optics of it. That's what I think is going on. And that's why I think that they're picking specific cities to have a lot of the migrants come through. I think that that's, the reason why they have like specific cities because you saw like a couple of weeks ago they're like oh my god the border's being overrun and oh my god what are we going to do and this and that 
And then yeah. you realize it's just like three or four sectors. And even in, within those sectors, it's just one or two areas. Yeah. It's not the entire border. Is it problematic? Is it chaotic? Is it a human rights disaster for the migrants? Yes. Is it that for the Border Patrol? No. I think the Border Patrol is adding to it. And in fact, when I do the numbers and you compare like the staff that we had back when I was an agent and the staff that they have today, they're not even apprehending half the amount that each agent apprehended when we were in the patrol back in the day. And so, you know, for them to apprehend a group now, when I see them apprehend a group of like even 10 people, 12 people, yeah, they will take five agents to apprehend 12 people. I have apprehended 100 people by myself. Jesus. Yeah. I, and that's not safe. I shouldn't suggest that people do that. But I have apprehended it is normal for a Border Patrol agent to apprehend 20 to 30 people by themselves, including a female agent who's at the time was super skinny and super small. And the reason why is because the vast majority of migrants aren't criminals and they're not trying to hurt you. So that's why a single agent can apprehend so many people. But right. today they use like six or seven agents to apprehend groups. And, and so... I'm not sure why they're overwhelmed, quite frankly. They, they should be able to handle 300, 400,000 people a month in the Border Patrol. Yeah. If they have to. Yeah. And look, like, even though like, a, a world without the Border Patrol would be better, and a world without this bloated and violent and overfunded and, uh, and really terribly just a, just a mess of cruelty and violence that we have now would be a lot better. But things could get a lot worse for those people. Like even the, the time it takes for them to be processed and the, the time it takes for them to have their hearing immigration law could change for the worse very yeah. quickly. If either person wins a presidency and indeed, like it seems that Biden sure. has floated like a return to title 42 as, mm -hmm. as a, as a compromise to get funding for Ukraine. So like, yeah, this inefficiency doesn't just, like even when people are apprehended, they, their failure to do their jobs hurts people, right? Like it, it, it puts them at greater risk. It does, and and I mean a lot of the things that the border patrol has done has created a, a, and made these things worse. A lot of the areas out near Sasabe, a lot of people never even crossed until Trump put that wall out there because they didn't have road access to a lot of that area. And if you did have road access, you had to have a very serious four by four to get out there. You can't mm -hmm. do it in a regular car and you can't do it in a kind of a city type of four by four. You need a serious four by four to get it in the, into some of those areas. And, and then just our policies, our deterrence policies, you know, when I was an agent in the nineties, it cost, you know, probably somebody from central America costs about $1,800 to get here. Now it's 10000 or more dollars. So we've made it profitable for people to smuggle people in and cross them illegally. illegally. We've created this entire situation ourselves. I mean, I don't have any doubt that other countries that maybe don't like us, that, you know, all the migrants coming across, the destabilization that it will cause with people who are racist or who don't know anything about the border, they all see that as a bonus. But the fact of the matter is, is that people who are crossing, they still need asylum. They still have serious needs just because, you know, I've seen some people floating around that 
that people are pushing migrants across our southern border to destabilize us. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. We don't have any proof of that. But even if they are, isn't the better attitude to have, because asylum is legal, isn't the better attitude to have, well, how can we better you know, help these people and, and not let this destabilize who we are and make them part of our communities and so forth? I think that's a better choice than sending them out to the desert or to drown in the rivers. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think it bears, I mean, people listening to this will probably be in agreement that, that yeah, these people should be treated with dignity and respect regardless. And, and I, I generally don't buy that they're being shipped on mass to destabilize this country. But I think even if you I don't agree. care about their rights, every single advance advance is your own word right but uh increase in surveillance every single increase in state violence every single incursion into individual rights starts at the border but it doesn't mm -hmm. stop there right like if you protested in 2020 you were surveilled by technology that came from the border you were sometimes targeted by less lethal weapons that were first issued to border patrol like you're the intelligence that police now gather began with border patrol like so much of the even the stuff that we see used at the border today, it, it, or the stuff that we see used in surveillance today, overwhelmingly comes from either border patrol or the Israel Gaza border, and, and mm -hmm. often most of these things are the same companies, right? Um, companies that that do one also do the other, and so like, I guess if people are talking to people who don't seem to care about the rights of migrants, which is a worryingly large amount of our society, like this will come and bite someone else in it like to include the people who decided to storm the capital on, on january the 6th 2021 right like lots of the surveillance technology that bit them in the ass came from the border and, and the people they hated um that's yeah. absolutely true and i mean you know it's the border patrol says this but they mean it in a different way they say what happens at the border doesn't stay at the border and they mean that because they try and portray migrants as all criminals so they're trying to tell people oh see these criminals are going to come to iowa or illinois or this or that <laughs> But I say it in the fact of the surveillance is coming to you because, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, in San Diego, we got street lamps out here that can listen to us and video us <laughs> yep. and track wherever we're going down the street from block to block. And it's ridiculous. You can't even walk your dog without being surveilled around here. And yet we're far from them, 20 miles from the border, north of the border, and it's still surveilled around here. And so all of that surveillance, yes, that's being used on American citizens. And when you go to places like McAllen, so the Rio Grande Valley sector right now is really slow. Mm -hmm. You're getting about a little over a thousand, maybe 2,000 uh, apprehensions a week, which is really oh, slow wow. for it's that size slow, of the yeah. sector. And they're like... You know, they have so much surveillance. Like you yeah. can see, there's a tower, there's a tower, there's a tower. There's, and it is all this Israeli technology and they can listen to cell phone. Mm -hmm. And you and, and that usually needs a warrant. But apparently down here on the border, and I've had current Border Patrol agents tell me the Fourth Amendment doesn't exist down here. And it's like, what? Is that what they're <laughs> yeah. teaching you in the academy now? It doesn't exist down here? And apparently that's what Border Patrol agents think. Um, and they think they have to ID, ID anybody that they see and all this other stuff. And it, it just, it's, it's interesting how much this is spreading, how much the checkpoints are spreading. And, you know, like in my day, we didn't do um, invasive searches. If it wasn't obvious, we didn't stop them. 
And nowadays, they'll they'll do on full body cavity searches at a checkpoint. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that. And so all this stuff is just gonna it, it's just getting further and further into the interior of the United States, like we saw in the Trump administration, like you said. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be brought back out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder, like, what? How do we? Um, I mean, it, it does seem very bleak. Like, I, which is why I like to devote so much of my time to like, like mutual aid work on the border because it, it's a meaningful way to help. Mm-hmm. But how do we move the needle to a more humane place? Like, this is one of the places where, like, I think, like, we should do whatever we can to make this, like, mm-hmm. even if it's uh, something that would normally be distasteful to us. But like, I, yeah, how, what is it that we can do to either like maybe change people's minds? Like, I'm sure you yourself have changed your mind on what we need to do yeah. on the border, and like, and, and to to because the conversation around the border is not only toxic, but it's also so deeply rooted in ignorance and and mm-hmm. a lack of understanding. And like, I don't think we were talking about this before we started, but like, I encountered a three year old girl the other day who was extremely cold she had her feet had been wet and cold for hours days and and she was the cold beyond shivering and and we were trying to warm her up and it was very distressing i don't think many people have seen that and i don't think even your like sort of hardest border bigot facebook uncles would want to look that in the face and, and be like yeah that's what we should do damn i'm really proud of this country but so how do we move this to a better place do you think I think one of the biggest mistakes that the Biden administration did was that they didn't, you know, in the beginning, they hired a lot of really, really good people. Like I think uh, Andrea Flores was, was one of the administration people and she, she knows her stuff. And I think that they had this idea from what she had said that the people that support immigration and immigrant rights and this and that, she was saying that they were viewed as, soft-hearted individuals on immigration and they were too soft and they didn't understand border security. One of the things that, that Biden should have done was start educating Americans about why the asylum system is so important and what the benefits are that it brings to us. And they have never done that. There's no PSAs about it. There's nothing. And, and I don't know if NGOs do it on that large environment on cable news or, or whatever, because I don't really watch mainstream news and stuff. But Americans are just astonished at, like when I started doing the TikTok videos and explaining, you know, Border Patrol are the people in green, CBP is in blue. People didn't yeah. know just the basic things. The majority no, of Americans who feel that they have a very, um, uh, a very uh, specific view on immigration, whether they hate it or they love it, they don't know much about immigration. They don't know how it works. They literally think people just get off their couch and go, well, let's just go to America. And they just hop over the fence and they all have money and they're all getting free stuff and this and that. So this administration, the government has done nothing to explain what is happening and why it happens. And I always say that the asylum system is essential to national security. What we saw in the Biden administration when he first opened up the ports of entry to allow specifically Haitians to apply at the ports of entry, we saw the amount of Haitians go from crossing in between the ports irregularly 
we saw it going from, you know, thousands down to like a hundred and something. So the idea is that you have to have a robust and humane asylum system where you're processing people, where they don't have to wait so long that they're going to yeah. give up and cross it regularly. Because the vast majority of people who believe that they have a legitimate asylum claim, and I do think that what constitutes asylum needs to be revisited because it's outdated, especially so. now that we yeah. have climate change, but is, is that you want those people to come and be inspected. We want people to come and stand outside the port of entry and wait and be inspected by CBP, if we're going to have a border, and if we're going to have all this, we would want that so that then we could say, okay, we've checked them. They appear to be okay. They're going to this place. Now they have an immigration hearing before a judge. We're going to make sure that they get the system and, you know, and, and then see it more as a system that's a benefit to us instead of creating enemies, which is what we're doing now. Yeah, Every time a so. migrant turns around, even if they do are able to get into the United States, the uh, quote unquote legal way at a port of entry, they're still met with you can't work for what 150 days, yeah, and then you can't do this and you can't do that, and you have to show up. And so, we're constant, everything is punishment, everything is punitive in our immigration system, and we can't do that. We want these people to become citizens, we want these people to become part of our, our society, we need it. And so we have to we have to have somebody bold enough to explain this to the American people. If you close the asylum system, everybody's going to cross irregularly, just like they did in Title 42. And you're going to get tons and tons of bodies coming across the wall. We need to be bold enough to say we want a humane and robust asylum system where families can wait together and be processed. And then, you know, I mean, the decision between should we fund detention centers and hold people who are crossing just waiting for their immigration hearing in detention, or should we fund, you know, humane services like let's get you into whatever city you're going to, let's help you find a school for your kids, let's help you learn English, let's help you find a job, let's help you and you can hire and pay people to do that instead of putting people in detention. It doesn't have to be a punitive system. We've just made it that way because the people in the for-profit prisons before Trump was supposedly elected, they were lobbying Jeff Sessions and Stephen Miller when he was working for Jeff Sessions. And so Geo Group and all them, there's, they're the ones that decided this is how we're going to go. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is I know, I think we're on a disagreement with open border versus, you know, or having border patrol at all. But I always say an open border is just as dangerous as a closed border. And, and when, when you close off the asylum system that forces everybody to then cross in between the ports of entry, and that is what does overwhelm Border Patrol. So if you don't want to overwhelm your Border Patrol, then you have to pull them back and, and you have to start processing people like they're supposed to be processed at the, mm -hmm. at the port of entry. The other thing people forget about is we've had four years, literally four years of the asylum system being shut down because of MPP and Title 42. Those yeah. are Trump policies. It took Biden a while to get through all those. But what do you think all those people that were sitting around for four years are doing? They're waiting their turn to get over yeah. here. So we have a backlog, not just the people in the United States waiting for the immigration hearing. We have a backlog of people in, the, in, in Mexico waiting to come across. So they created this whole thing themselves. And I find it very interesting that the press never mentions that basically what Trump did was close the whole immigration system down and kick the can down the road.
beer. I mean, consciously or unconsciously, it's like uh, yeah. shaking up a, a, a can of beer and then someone's got to take the lid off at some point, you know, and it's going to blow yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And Biden yeah. has been willing to. And so it's still going to get kicked down the road. I mean, people have come in since the end of Title 42. But as you say, there's a huge backlog and people aren't, as you say, going to stop coming, right? Because like yeah. it's dangerous getting here. I've walked those trails. Uh, they're not easy uh, and they're certainly not easy when you're carrying your kid and it's raining and it's dark um but it's i've also been in syria and in iraq and in other places where like these people are coming from and i understand why they're doing it and i would do it too if i had a family and i, and I wanted to escape that so i think we're laughing if we think that that we're going to i mean we've tried to make our border as unpleasant as those places and, and as deadly as those places right and then Fortunately, we failed, and and so that doesn't mean people will stop coming. Whatever we do, we've had thirty years of walls and border patrols concept of deterrence policies that they claim will prevent people from crossing irregularly or illegally, and they've all failed. And I think yeah. it's time to try something new. I think it's time to stop listening to the people who get all the money and get all the guns and get all the militarization, saying it has to be this way. It does not have to be that way. And I think it's very important to point out that we live in the United States of America, even though we have a lot of problems and we're possibly losing our democracy in our country right now. It is still far better than the places that these people are coming from. And we should be thankful for that. And then just figure out a way to protect ourselves as best as we can, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's, yeah, this is, this is a good place to end. Like, we should be grateful that for now we live in a much more stable place and, and that we, we're able to, we have the, the resources to welcome people and, and we do their benefit to our communities when, when we, we, have when we don't turn them away from us. You yeah. Know, we, we need people right now. So. Yeah. People forever bitching about not being able to find people to work. And also at the same time, <laughs> turning away people who would love, you know, I, I've, yeah. every migrant I meet in Hakumba messages me on WhatsApp saying, Hey, struggling to find work because they don't get work authorization right like there are a lot of jobs yeah. that need doing and there are a lot of people who want to do them and mm -hmm. but we're so wrapped up in, in our bigotry and xenophobia that we won't let them do it right we've made yeah. it as difficult for them as we absolutely positively can so, yeah you know. jen thank you for joining us is there any way that people can like follow you online? You've done a really good job at sort of cracking some of the board patrols nonsense recently so where can people <laughs> find that uh, they can find it on jennbudd.com. Great. That's a, that's a good resource. And well, thank you so much, Jen. We really appreciate your time. I appreciate you too. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.